Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Submission to duty. In Mark chapter 5, reading from verse number 13, the Bible tells us, Mark chapter 5, reading from verse number 13, the Bible says, Ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its savor, where we shall it be salted, it is henceforth good for nothing, but it casteth out and be trodden under the foot of men. Ye are the lights of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but it's on a candlestick. It giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine there before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now from this verse of scripture, Jesus Christ is telling us, is telling believers that there is more to life than what? There's more to life of a Christian than just going to church, showing up in church every Sunday, singing the two slow song and three fast song and all this kind of thing. He said there's more to life, there's more to the Christian life than coming to church. It is more than an investment in the exercise of uh, exercise of praying. There is more to Christianity than just fasting. There is more to Christianity than just reading the word of God. Our Lord is saying that as a Christian, you are the light of the world. Which means that as a Christian, you are supposed to brighten the world. You are supposed to season the world. You are supposed to make the life better. The people that come in contact with you, they are supposed to enjoy the grace of God through you. They are supposed to see the love of God flow through you. And Jesus is saying that as a believer who is supposed to be the light of the world, you have a duty to God. You have a responsibility to God. The Bible says, let your light shine before, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So you have a responsibility towards God. Number two, you have a responsibility to yourself. He said, let your own light. Ye are the light of the world. In other words, God has deposited something in you when he called you. When you became born again, there was something that he put inside your life. And he expects you to be able to do something about it. You have a responsibility to yourself. You have a responsibility to God. You have a responsibility to your family. To be able to teach them in the way of the Lord. As a Christian, it's not just showing up in church and doing church service. You have a responsibility to your family to be able to teach them in the way of the Lord. Not only that, you have a responsibility to the church. In the morning, this, in this morning when we in our life class, we talk about the fact that we should not forsake the assembly of one another to together because we have a responsibility to one another to grow each other when one is down the other one is able to lift him up when the other one is weak the other one is able to encourage him that's why the bible says two are better than one because when one falls the other one is able to lift him up so we have a responsibility to god we have a responsibility to ourselves we have a responsibility to our family we have a responsibility to the church and we have a responsibility or a duty to the community let your light shine. To, let your light. Uh, uh, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. You have a responsibility, a duty to the community. So before, so therefore, as a believer, it is not enough for you to submit yourself to discipleship, because the discipleship grows you as an individual. 
It is not enough for you to submit yourself to discipline and to self-control. Because those ones help you to become a better ambassador of Christ in this particular world. As a growing believer, it is very important for you to submit yourselves to the duties that God has asked of you. That God has given unto you. As a believer, it is your responsibility to make sure that when others come in contact with you, they are able to see the light of God. They are able to see the glory of God. They are able to see... The power of the Almighty God manifested through you. So, in the you know, so in the uh, as as we will continue in uh, in this particular series, what you will find is that in a letter of Paul to to, to Titus in chapter three, Paul outlined some of the duties of the growing believers. He told them, if you are looking at the growing believer, here are the things that you are going to see in the life of that believer. Here are the things that you must expect in the life of a growing believer and as a growing church. So I want you to open your Bibles to the book of Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and we are going to be reading from verse 1. But before we read, I want you to give you a good context. I want to give a context. Paint the picture so that you can begin to understand what we are going to see in the book of Titus. Titus chapter 3, we are going to start reading from verse 1. But before we do so, I want you to look at Titus is one of the books that Paul the Apostle Titus is one of the books that Paul the Apostle wrote to his associate, you know, that he has given the responsibility to go and be the pastor over a local church. In chapter 1 of Titus, the Bible tells us, in chapter 1 of the book of Titus, Paul opened with the instruction to Titus to say, go, he gave him instruction for mission. He said, when you are going into the field, this is what you must do. Number 2, he gave him instruction for leadership appointment. Paul is telling Titus, he said, when you go over the church, and the church that you are beginning to build, as the church is growing, I'm giving you instruction for how you are supposed to pick leadership. Number three, Paul gave him the instruction on how to rebuke people. In other words, there were some people in the church who were behaving not in the way a Christian is supposed to behave. They were saying things they were not supposed to say. And Paul now gave him a titles. He gave him instruction on how to rebuke those individuals. By the time you go to chapter two, by, by, by the time you get to chapter two, by, Paul gave Timotheus the instruction on sound doctrine. In other words, this is what you must teach in the house of God. These are the things that you must let the people know. Sound doctrine. Not only that, still in chapter 2, Paul started addressing the different groups in the church. Paul knew that there were elders in the church. There were women in the church. There were young women in the church, young boys in the church. And Paul individually addressed each of this group, telling them how to behave. He gave them instruction for proper behavior. Not only that, by the time you now Enter chapter 3. Paul the apostle now began to tell, you know, that began to tell Titus. He said, I'm giving you instruction for godly living. You know what? People in the church are not supposed to live anyhow. They are not supposed to behave anyhow. They are not supposed to carry themselves anyhow. He gave them instruction for, uh, for godly living. And then finally, Paul closed out the book of Titus by giving instruction to, uh, to Titus on productive living. He's saying that when you live your life, your life has to be productive. Don't live a life in such a way that you are dependent. Say, live a productive life. Now, that is just a brief overview of what the book of Titus is all about. It's about a book of instruction. It's a, it's a pastoral letter that is instructing a younger pastor on how to deal with a growing church. But by the, by, by the time you open to that your book, uh, to that book of uh, to that chapter three of uh, of the book of Titus, chapter three, if you start reading from verse number one. The Bible says, remind them to be subject to rulers and authority, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no man, of no one, 
to be peaceable, to be gentle, showing all humility to all men. Let's stop there for a second. Paul is saying that when you, you as the pastor of the church, Paul is saying to Timothy to Titus, you as the one who is the leader of a growing church, and you have a lot of growing believers under you, Paul is saying you need to instruct the church with proper behavior. In other words, as a believer, when you are growing, Paul is saying there is some behavior that is expected of you. The very minute you call yourself a Christian, as soon as you walk out there, people are looking at you and they are saying, okay, this is a, this is a believer and we want to see how he's going to behave. We want to see how he talks. We want to see how he relates. We want to see how he, you know, how he handles money, how he handles himself around people. The instruction in proper behavior. That was what Paul was trying to tell their, their, their titles. He was saying, as a young and growing church with young and growing believers, teach your people the, you know, proper behavior. And not only that, but inherent in that teaching of proper behavior, by extension of that teaching, Paul is saying you need to teach your people the, uh, not only proper behavior, but the duties and the responsibilities of a believer. In other words, if you are going to behave properly, if you are going to carry yourself properly, you have a duty and you have some responsibility. And Paul is telling Titus, he said, teach the people to understand that. Okay? Paul is telling them that young and growing churches, uh, you know, under the leadership of Titus, for people to know that, for people to know that you belong to Christ, for people to know that you represent Christ, for people to understand that you are working with Christ, there are certain things that are expected of you. You are not just a Christian by name. You don't just carry the label of a, of a Christian just to be able to say, okay, this is what we do on Sunday morning. Paul is saying that there are some things that are expected of you. There are certain things that you must do. There are certain duties that you must perform as a believer who is growing in the grace of the Almighty God. In other words, as a believer, we have some duties that God expects from us. And Paul is saying for us to demonstrate to the world that we belong to Christ. For us, for the, for us to demonstrate to the world that we are different from the, uh, different from the rest of the people, that Christ has made a difference in our life, the Lord is expecting us to carry out some duties. And the question is, what are these duties? What are these duties? But before we begin to go into what these duties are, I want us to first of all understand what it means, the word duty. What, is, what does it mean? When we talk about duty, we are talking about a moral and a legal obligation. In other words, what you must do. It's a responsibility that you must perform. That is what it means when we talk about duty. Okay? A duty is also a task or a specific action that someone is required to carry out. So when we say this is your duty in this house, or this is your duty in the church, or this is your duty in this place of work, it's a responsibility, it's a task that you must perform. And as Christians, we have been taught the commandment of Christ. And our duty is to be able to obey it. Okay? Our duty is to be able to obey it. As Christians, we have a duty to pray. And that is why we pray. As Christians, we have a duty to pray, to forgive others. And that is why we forgive. But beyond the obvious things that we have been told every time we come to church. Beyond the obvious things that we have been taught as Christians. What are the things that a growing believer is expected to do? What are the things that a growing believer that goes into the marketplace, what are they expected to do? 
apart from knowing and loving the Lord with all our heart and with all our mind and with all our strength, what are the things that we are supposed to be doing as believers? Now, from the passage of the scripture that we read in, in, in Titus chapter 3, the Bible tells us, number one, Paul the, apostle wrote, Paul the Apostle wrote to Timothy. He said, remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities to obey and be ready for every good work. In other words, the very first responsibility, when somebody says that he's a Christian and the whole world is looking at that individual, they expect that person to be an obedient and a submissive person. When you call yourself a believer and you walk into a marketplace or you walk into a place of employment, and you introduce yourself as a child of God, they expect you to be an obedient person. They expect you to be a submissive person. The Bible tells us in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandment, for this is the whole duty of man. It is your responsibility to be obedient and to be submissive. While believers are to obey and to submit the law, believers are not exempt from the laws of the land. We are not. You may say, yes, it's not the laws of God, but you are not exempt from the laws of the land. You are not exempt from keeping the law. You are not exempt from paying, ta paying your taxes. You are not exempt from doing the things that the authorities want you to do. You are supposed to be obedient and submissive. How will it, how will it look like for you to call yourself a Christian? And then you are the person that is being run, that the IRS is running after. Or you are the person that the police is now going to knock in his house and trying to say, okay, you did this or you did that. It doesn't speak well of the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why the first duty of a Christian, of anyone who identifies with Christ, is to be, is to be obedient and to be submissive. And we are to be obedient to God and we're submissive to God. At the same time, we are supposed to be obedient and submissive to constituted authority as long as those constituted authority do not go against the word of God. So we are supposed to be obedient and so Number two, believers have a duties to do good works. In other words, no matter how antagonistic the people that you work with, no matter how bad those individuals are, no matter how occultic or whatever they are, the Bible makes us to understand that we are supposed to show love and to do good works. In other words, you are supposed to make sure that your kindness is not restricted to the people that you like only. You don't only greet the people that you know. You say hi to people that you don't even know. You show good works across the board. That is the duty of a believer. It doesn't matter who, whether the people receive it or they don't receive it. It doesn't matter whether they appreciate it or they do not appreciate it. It is your duty as a Christian, number one, to obey. Number two, to do good works. Number three, it is your duty as a believer to be respectful. And that is what we find lacking in the community or in the culture that we find ourselves. It is the duty of a believer to be respectful. And respect is two ways. You respect yourself and you respect constituted authority. You respect others in the way you talk, in the way you approach them, in the manner in which you deal with them. Respect you be there. We are next to, we are supposed to go show deference to other people. We do not behave anyhow or talk down to people or consider those people because we don't benefit from them. We cannot pull them down. It is the duty of a believer to show respect. So that everywhere we go, the mark of our Lord Jesus Christ is evident in our lives. When people see us, they see us as a people that have deference, not just to one another, but to the people, even who do not even deserve it. Not only that, the duty of a believer is to be gentle and be peaceful. If you see a believer who is always causing trouble at the place of work, how are you going to preach the gospel in that environment? 
If you see a believer who is always, you know, who is very rash in the way they talk, who is very abrasive in their attitude, how are you going to be able to communicate the love of God to the people? How are you going to tell them that Jesus loves? How are you going to tell them that you are a follower of Christ? A believer's duty is to be gentle and to be respectful. And that's why Paul the Apostle said, he said, follow peace with all men. You are supposed to be peaceful. You are supposed to make sure that you are the one that brings, that calms the situation that is tense anywhere you find yourself. Not only that, a believer is supposed to be considerate. In other words, you are supposed to show genuine concerns for others. It doesn't have to be the members of the church for you to be concerned. It doesn't have to be members of your family only for you to be concerned. As a believer who is growing in grace, your concern for others must grow as you move along. Not only that, you must be diligent as a believer. In other words, you are so you are placed on this earth to walk. If you read in the book of Genesis right from the very beginning, the Bible said God placed Adam in the garden to do what? To till and to bring and to walk the land. So you are placed here to work, and you and you and, and you are supposed to be diligent in carrying out that particular work. So for a growing believer, it's supposed to be careful. It's supposed to be persistent in the work of God that is committed into their hands. If you see a lazy Christian at the place of work, it's a disgrace to the name of the Almighty God. And I tell you one thing: I digress a little. One of the worst set of people you can do business with. Are the people who introduce themselves first of all and say, I'm a child of God. You know that person is what we refer to as graduate. You know, what I mean by that is that they are trying to dupe you. They are trying to leverage their Christianity to be able to rob, to be able to cheat you. Because they know that you are going to be sympathetic to them when they say that they are Christian. But the man who is doing his job, he doesn't have to introduce himself as a Christian. The way he carries out his job, the way he calls, the way he does his job, the quality of his job, the persistence in which he carry out his, uh, his service will tell you that there's something different about this individual. So when somebody comes to you and says he wants to do business and the first thing he says is that I'm a Christian, you need to be very careful about that person. But a Christian's responsibility, the duty of a Christian is to be diligent, to do the work that they are supposed to do, to be busy, to be involved in the work. A growing believer is supposed to be careful and persistent in the work that they do. I've many of you have heard this saying that the, an idle hand is the devil's workshop. And that is why you find that when you don't have anything to do, that's why you start texting the people you are not supposed to text. That's why you start making comment on what you are not supposed to make comment on. That's why you, are, you start gossiping and you start putting your nose into business that does not belong to you. But the, 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 the responsibility, the duty of a believer is to be diligent. And finally, it is the duty of the believer to be watchful. In other words, you have to be careful. You have to watch yourself to make sure that you are still a Christian. You have to make sure that you are still in the faith. You have to make sure that the people around you don't drag you to hell. You have to make sure that you associate with the right sort of people. You have to be watchful. The Bible makes us to understand. He said, watch therefore, for you do not know when the master of the house is coming. In other words, you cannot live carelessly. You cannot talk carelessly. You cannot associate carelessly. Your life must be a life of watchfulness. So that you don't get yourself in unnecessary trouble. And I'm not just talking about physical trouble. I'm talking about eternal trouble. When you don't watch what you say, when you don't watch where you go, when you don't watch what you see, when you don't watch what you hear, you find yourself that you are going to pollute not just your physical body, but your spiritual mind. So we have a duty to be watchful. And these are just some of the duties of the believers. 
that the Lord expects a growing believer to continue to exercise. You are not going to get there in one day. But gradually we should see the sign that every day you are getting better. Every day you are moving closer and closer to developing this attitude in our life. And as a growing believer, the habit should become a second nature to you. Your diligence should be second nature. Your watchfulness should be second nature. Your persistence should be second nature. Your respectfulness should be second nature. Okay? All the things that we've talked about should be something that comes out of you. And it has to come through disciplined exercise of those habits. The question is why is it important for the growing believer to be engaged in this kind of habits? Why must they have this duty? Why must they carry out those duties? Look at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 again, reading from verse number 8. Titus chapter 3, reading from verse number 8. The Bible tells us that this is a faithful saying. And these things I want you to affirm constantly. That those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and are profitable to men. In other words, the good works, the good practice, respectfulness, peace, being, being a careful person, being a diligent person, being, a, <clears throat> being somebody who is a, who is a, being somebody who is watchful. The Bible is saying that it is something that is good and it is profitable unto men. So the Bible is telling you, number one, why you must be involved in the duties is because number one, Paul is telling Timothy, he said, teach the people to be diligent in good work. He said, not only teach the people, make sure you tell the people constantly. So it's not something you say once. You say it all the time. Affirm the teaching constantly. And they say, why? Why must you do it? You do it because number one, it is good. In other words, good works is good. When you go out and you are respectful, nobody can, you know, nobody can make a law against being respectful. You cannot make a law and say, okay, when you wake up in the morning today, in this particular city in the US, you can no longer say good morning. Nobody will make that kind of a stupid law. Because it is something that you cannot legislate against. So good work is good. That's why Paul is saying, make sure the people knows it. Number two, good work is profitable. In other words, the more you are involved in that particular good work, the more the people will begin to realize that you need those things. Not only that, good work gives you access. Good work gives you access. If every day when you see me, I'm very courteous. You see me every day, I'm very gentle. You see me every day, I'm very peaceable. I'm always diligent in my work. I'm always doing what I'm supposed to do. I am watchful not to be, not to mix with the wrong crowd. If the opportunity comes for you to give me something meaningful, who would you give it to? Because you know that you can trust this individual. It opens the door for you in places where people are hostile. When you see a Christian who does not knock everybody on the head with his Bible, when you see a Christian who is doing his job the way he's supposed to do it, gets to work at the right time, does the work the way it should be done, goes way, way goes you know, above and beyond what is required on the line of duty. When the opportunity comes, even when people are saying Christians are bad, people will say, no, this one is different. And it will open doors for you in places where you never have the opportunity. So, good works grant us access. Good works also gives us favor. When people are talking evil, when they are looking for somebody to promote, when they are looking for somebody to move forward, they commit it to the hand of those individuals. There was a group of people in Nigeria in the, you know, in the, in the, in the early 80s, a particular church. We used to refer to them as you know, the Holiness Church. 
These people are, have a reputation that any company where they are looking for accountant, they are looking for people from that church. Because their motto has always been holiness. And they will let you know that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. They had that reputation in the, in the society that everybody wanted them to work for them. Because they do their work the way it should be done. Goodness, good works, grant us favor. Good works also speak for you. Because when you are not there, everybody will say, oh, if this brother were there, he would have done X, Y, and Z. If this sister were there, he would have done X, Y, and Z. And that's what happened in the days of Dorcas. The Bible said that when Dorcas died, people started bringing the good works that she has done for them and they started showing it and said, this is what Dorcas done for me. Good work speak for you. Okay? Your good work will speak for you. Your good work will open door for you. Your good work will give you favor. Your good, door, your good work will make the impossible possible for you. And that is what the Lord is saying. He said, it is profitable for you to do those things. Now, the, quite, the interesting thing is this. If our good work is so important, why are Christians slacking when it comes to good work? Why are we not diligent? Why are we not, you know, why are we not peaceful? Why are we not watchful? Why are we not doing what we are supposed to do? If, the, if these duties are very important, why are Christians slacking in their responsibility? Why are they not carrying out their responsibility as believers? Let me suggest to you that many of us as believers are not carrying out our, you know, we are slacking concerning our duties because we have what is called a fundamental misunderstanding of the word grace. Okay? Many people misunderstand grace to mean irresponsibility. Our brother talked about it this morning when he was doing the summary and he said this, this hyper grace. When you believe that once you are born again, you can misbehave. You can talk to people anyhow. You can walk around and you know, as if you have no, you are not under any law, you are not under any restraint. That is not grace. That is irresponsibility. That is license. And because we do not understand what grace is all about, we now feel that we are not, we don't, you know, we don't need to be watchful anymore. We don't need to be persistent anymore. Oh, my grace is sufficient for me, so I will not even study. Your grace is sufficient for me, so I will not do the work I'm supposed to do. We go about misquoting the Bible and telling people that God will do it when you are not doing anything. My God will provide. You know, my, my God will provide all, uh, all uh, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. And you are not managing your accounts. And you are not living right. You are not doing, you are not living a responsible life. Because of the misunderstanding of grace, we are not doing what we are supposed to do as believers. Number two, we are not doing what we are supposed to do as believers because we misunderstand the, uh, the, the we misunderstand the concept of work under grace. We misunderstand the concept of work. We misunderstand work and we consider work to mean irresponsibility. You know, we consider work to mean trying to earn God's favor, and that is not true. As a Christian, your work is not to earn the favor of God. Okay, work under the New Testament. The New Testament dispensation means response to the love of God that you have received. That's what work means. In other words, because God lost me, because God delivered me, because God did what I could not do for myself. When I see my brother, I'm willing to help. When I see somebody lacking, I'm willing to support them. When I see somebody falling down, I'm willing to raise them up. Because God has raised me up, I'm willing to raise somebody up. Because God has forgiven me, I'm willing to forgive somebody else. Because God has given me to someone, I'm willing to give to other people. Work is a response to the love of God that you have received. But when you see work as trying to earn the favor of God and the love of God, 
Because that's why we say, oh, grace of God. I don't have to do anything. God lost me. God lost me. In other words, I don't have to. You know, you, 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 when you misunderstand that concept, you forget. You, do, you will not be able to practice what you're supposed to practice. And that's why the Bible tells us in the book of James, faith without work is dead. Because your work is an evidence of the faith that lives inside of you. What you do tells me exactly what you believe inside. If you believe that you have been saved, your actions will show it. If you believe that you have been forgiven, your actions will show it. Everything that you do in the house of God is a response to the love of God. Okay? So I love God. I love my fellow man because I first of all love God. Because God loved me, I treat my fellow men with respect. I, treat, I, I am diligent in keeping and managing the things that God has deposited in my hands. Because of faith. So your actions is a result of the faith that dwells inside of you. I'm not willing to, I am willing to go to the ends of this world. Not because I'm trying to please God. Not because I'm trying to show God that I'm able to do this thing. I'm doing it because I want to express my love to the Almighty God. That is the difference. And my brothers and sisters, if you miss that very simple, that line of demarcation, you will miss the whole concept of work in the New Testament faith. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Thank you.